Well, it is good to be back here. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about God's direction for our lives. And I don't know about you all, but I'm really bad uh, with giving directions now. All I do is I tell someone to pull up their phone, to pull out their GPS, give them the address, and let them go at it. Map reading skills are a truly lost art, and I've totally been caught, and maybe you guys have done this too, going down a one-way street uh, when the GPS tells me to go down the wrong way. Yeah, not a good thing. In fact, I remembered a joke I heard from another pastor who I, I think that this might happen more realistically today than ever before because of our uh, lack of being able to give good directions. So it goes like this, and I'll use first person just because it's a little bit better storytelling. So when I was a young minister, a funeral director asked me to go and do a graveside service for a homeless man who had passed away. He had no family or friends. The funeral was to be at a cemetery way out in the country. Now, this was a new cemetery, and this man was the first to be laid to rest there. I was not familiar with the area and quickly became lost. Being a typical man, of course, I did not ask for directions. I finally found the cemetery about an hour. By the way, I saw somebody just elbow someone and say, that's you. <laughs> that's not. Mm. Anyway, so I finally found the cemetery about an hour late. The backhoe was there and the crew was eating their lunch. The hearse was nowhere to be seen. I apologized to the workers for being late. As I looked into the open grave, I saw the vault lid already in place. I told the workers I would not keep them long, but this was the proper thing to do. The workers still eating their lunch gathered around the opening. I was young and enthusiastic and poured my heart out as I preached. The workers joined in with, praise the Lord, amen, glory. I got so into the service, I preached and preached and preached from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> when the service was over, I said a prayer and walked to my car. As I opened the door, I heard one of the workers say, you know, I've never seen anything like that before, and I've been put in septic systems for years now. <laughs> now, we've all been lost or felt lost at some point. Whether it was trying to get somewhere, or more importantly, many of us have felt lost in life in general. We don't know what to do, how to make a decision, or what direction our lives might be going. You know, working with college students at Mason, I tend to deal with people who are asking these major life questions about faith, about their life, about their direction, etc. I would argue that even all of us after college have felt lost at some point, have needed some sort of direction. Now, we may have gotten most things put together well enough that we can just ignore these feelings of lostness. We kind of go our own way. We have a certain career, and that's not going to change for most of us. We have family, and that's not going to change for most of us. But I'll be honest. People wait as long as possible to answer these questions when they feel lost, that then they come when there's only been a crisis in their life. We pretend like there isn't an issue. We have cute sayings instead of shouting out to the whole world sometimes that I'm lost and I need help. We use sarcasm and wit to keep these issues at bay and keep them at arm's length. And here's a, another quick story that many of us might find funny. A friend was in uh, front of me coming out of church one day and the preacher was standing at the door as always to shake hands. He grabbed my friend by the hand and pulled him aside and the pastor said, Friend, you need to be in the Lord's army. My friend replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, Pastor. 
pastor questioned, well, how come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? The friend whispered back, he said, I'm in the secret service. (laughs) Now it's cute, but it holds a lot of truth. When I was a pastor in a local church, I did marital counseling, I did premarital counseling, I worked with youth who were troubled. Most of the time I was pulled in after everything else had been tried and things were way, way too far gone. Instead of couples asking me or anyone, for that matter, for help, they wait until someone had an affair and there was no going back from a divorce. Instead of parents asking me or anyone else for help with their student who they had been worried about, they had waited until they were deep in drug addiction and getting kicked out of school. There's something embarrassing about admitting to other people that you get lost and you are in need of some help. The problem is that as Christians, we know that we are all lost unless we have the power of God in our lives. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to follow God. We are called to live in a way that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. God is pretty clear that it isn't enough to just be in the secret service, but that our faith should be about something more because the solutions that the world has to offer aren't enough. They are just cheap substitutes for the love and grace of God. We ought to follow God's direction in the world today. There were lots of people throughout human history that have tried to convince others to live the way that they want them to live. So this is nothing new when Jesus comes on the scene. He's not, it's not very surprising that as a rabbi, a teacher, that he wants his disciples to live in a certain way. And so he begins one of his first sermons with these words. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to join him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now this is the beginning of one of Jesus' first recorded teachings and one of his longest recorded sermons. That means at least to me that this matters. That his disciples in writing these words down chose this sermon to make sure that it made it into the Holy Scriptures. This might be troubling news, though, to some of us who are his disciples. Because you see, whether you're Jesus' first disciples who are hearing this for the first time, or you're disciples today, it means that you've left everything to follow this rabbi. And you just got your directions in here. And it included being poor in spirit, mourning, being persecuted, and people hating you. Sounds like a fun time. These disciples were a bunch of no-name people. They didn't have religious education. They were likely cast-offs from previous schooling. We read later in the book of Acts that they were found to be an uneducated people, literally by the way they spoke. 
Now, if I stood up here today and told you that to truly be members here at Spirit and Life Church, that I guaranteed you that you find yourself as poor in spirit, mourning, persecuted, and people are going to hate you, uh, you might think I'm crazy, and lots of people might run for the exits if this was the first time that I had preached a sermon. But the fact of the matter is all these things happen to everyone in life. Everyone mourns. Everyone at times feels poor in spirit. Everyone at times feels persecuted. And everyone at times find people attacking them falsely because of something that they believe in. As a pastor, I've been told on multiple occasions I'm going to hell because I disagreed with someone's theology. The truth of the matter is, is that all of us feel lost at some time in life. And that's us sitting here. That can be a Christian sitting in another part of the world, my students at Mason, or any person, anywhere, anytime, at some point has known exactly what it means to be lost. This isn't a new concept in the scriptures. What is new, though, is the transformative power of Jesus in the midst of these situations. But in reality, that's not even that new. When we read the Bible, we read about world leaders who were lost. Pharaoh had a dream. Babylonian kings had dreams too and couldn't interpret them. Yet it was Joseph and Daniel, respectfully, who came in and interpreted this feeling of being lost for both these leaders. They didn't sugarcoat the answers, but instead honestly helped these men regain their direction in life. Jesus offers you and I the same direction today. Because again, we will all feel poor in spirit at some point. We will all mourn. We will all feel like we've been put in our place, feel a yearning for what is right. We'll have a heart for mercy, want to be the peacemakers in life. We're going to be persecuted and hated for something we believe in. The question is, how will we find direction in the midst of these moments and friends, this is a very important question because some people never do. They simply shut down when they feel lost. You probably know people like this. I know I do. Interpretation and directions are so important when we are getting to a place we know, when we are trying to be found in the midst of that lost feeling. Jesus offers his disciples and us this morning a way to live according to God's directions. I'm going to read the Beatitudes one more time. Just take the opportunity to listen to the ways in which God is trying to give direction in the midst of a broken and hurting world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You see, it's all about a perspective shift. It's all about realizing that in the midst of being lost, that we are never truly alone. We are never truly lost because God is with us. It's all about realizing in the midst of feeling lost that Jesus is transforming us. It's all about realizing in the midst of feeling lost that the Holy Spirit is still guiding us. This doesn't mean that we won't go through difficult, gut-wrenching situations. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people all the time, where pain exists. And oftentimes we inflict that pain on one another. But it does mean that God has the final word against evil. It does mean that while I believe that God doesn't inflict pain, illness, and death on people, that instead God transforms that pain. And hallelujah, the fact that, that God has the final word on death with resurrection. And it does mean that ultimately God is in charge and gives ultimate direction for my life. God used this ragtag bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, no-name, uneducated people to change the world. And uses me and you to do the same. Just because you aren't a pastor doesn't mean you can't be used to give someone direction in their life. It isn't just the words you use, but even more so, it's allowing yourself to be used by God to serve and to love. I want to tell you a serious story about a man who changed my life. So we were, in, when I was a sophomore in high school, we went uh, to downtown Baltimore in order to feed the homeless. And it was the most crazy day. Uh, we traveled around in this van. We had vats of soup and sandwiches. And so we were passing these out to everyone. And I would not recommend this to any teenager. This is not the right, right thing to do. I repent for this later. Luckily, it worked out OK. But I saw somebody on a bench. And I'm like, oh, that guy looks homeless. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't go up to someone, hey, you look homeless. Uh, but I was, you know. 15, 16 at the time, and I went up to him. I said, hey, you look homeless. Uh, we have some soup and sandwiches. Would you like some? And uh, the, the guy just buries his head into his hands. And, you know, I'm thinking at this point, man, this guy isn't homeless. He's like the mayor of Baltimore, and I've just really offended him. <laughs> and he, he looks up, and he's crying. Tears streaming down his face. And he said, I haven't eaten in three days. And I just prayed for something to eat. So we sit there and we talk. Our, my adult leaders on, on that trip were not the best adult leaders. I'll, I'll be honest. They were always rushing. Uh, they were actually making fun of us uh, throughout the day. And so it's amazing that I got to sit and talk to this gentleman for such a long time. And so we're sitting there talking. And he goes, uh, his name's Tony. I'll never forget his name. And Tony begins to talk about how bad his feet hurt. Um, now, again, I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old, which means I know everything about life. And uh, I'd known it had just rained. And I said, hey, you know, um, are your socks wet? He goes, yeah, my socks are wet. And so I said, well, you know, uh, if you have wet socks, it's really not good for blisters. You know, I think we have some extra uh, socks and shoes in the car. Let me go, let me go see what size do you wear. And he goes, oh, I've, I'm, right now I'm wearing an eight and a half 
but typically I wear like an 11. Now, I, don't, I don't remember the exact size numbers, but it was that big of a difference. And so I went, I, we didn't have the perfect size shoes, it was, but it was only a half size off, it was like 10 and a half instead of uh, 11. And we had a bunch of dry socks, and so I bring them back. And I sit there and I, and I look at them, I say, you know, it's really not good for these socks to be on your, on your feet, would you like me to change your socks for you? And he says, sure. Which come to find out later that homeless people really don't like you touching them. So that was a major moment and grace that, that this gentleman allowed me to do. So I'm sitting there in, in the inner harbor of Baltimore uh, changing this homeless man's socks. And in that moment, I'm thinking about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Now, I never saw this man again. But in that moment, I knew I wanted to serve God for the, my entire life. That day, no one else was paying attention to that brash, arrogant uh, high school boy and the homeless man. There were no trumpets, no angelic choruses, but God was made real to me because a man was allowing himself to be served by me and thus served me. This is something that is so important to finding God's direction in our lives. So besides the, the interpretation, the, the piece where, okay, so everyone mourns, everyone goes through these things, everyone is persecuted, everyone needs mercy, everyone feels a, a need to do what's right in their life, but it's all about God doing these things and realizing God is taking care of us in the midst of these situations, giving us direction when we feel lost. There's another really important thing here. And that's that Jesus was up on a hill with his disciples. He did not go one-on-one -on -one talking to people, go, hey, I have this great sermon. I want to share it just with you. I want to share it just with you. I just, just give me 10, 15 minutes. I just want to share it with you. It was with a group of people. Now, I've been on Boy Scout trips when we did orientation, uh, where we were looking at compasses, and I've been lost with a group of people before. Because, again, map reading skills not my thing. But it is so important to recognize that we do this together as a community. It is so important to realize that this is not a solo effort in life. I want you real quick to look around the room, look at one another. This is your group. Spirit and life is known for small groups, for community, for those kinds of things. It means that you do life together. You're called to help one another when you're lost. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in admitting that you're lost and you need help. Again, I wish that the parents of those teenagers that I had to work with would have just come and said, you know what, I'm really struggling with my child right now and I'm really scared. I wish that somebody who was struggling with their marriage would have just opened up to their small group and said, I'm really struggling and I don't know what to do. You all are called to help one another when you're lost. You're called to remind one another when life has you down, when you're mourning, when you're hurting, 
when you're being persecuted, when you're being hated. You're called to remind one another that you are blessed because you have Christ in your life and that you are with each other in the body of Christ. You're called to remind one another that you are loved by this community and by God. If one another reminds you that, that no religious plaques, no religious signs ever make up for being with other believers. It may come from an unexpected source like a homeless man for me. So listen to everyone who loves God and loves your church because you guys are in this together. Honestly, that's why being part of God's secret service never helped anyone. Amen?